welcome to the Digital Talk podcast. This is Noemi Valkoda from DigitalCity.Brussels, the digital employment and training center that brings together the key players in the IT sector to end the digital transformation of companies, workers, job seekers, and Brussels citizens. I am thrilled today to welcome Dewey van der Pfeiffer, founder and former CEO of Flow Pilot, um, where we will go through a career and get our insights on women's path to leadership in tech. Hello, Dewey. Hello. Hi, Noemi. Thank you for uh, joining us for this podcast and um, to um, try to understand and discuss how women can get to the top in the digital world and what uh, stakeholders can do to attract women to uh, this industry and how to provide a supportive environment so they can thrive. Um, before going into these uh, subjects, um, I would like to know a bit more about yourself. Um, well, could you present yourself? Yes, thank you. So I'm uh, Dewey van der Vijver. So besides um, being a mom of uh, two marvelous boys, uh, I was indeed the founder and the former CEO of Flowpilot. Uh, my education is actually, I'm a master in communication science, but I've always been interested in technology ever since uh, I think my mom brought home the first uh, telephone uh, from no, the former RTT, which was the former uh, telephony company in uh, in. Belgium. Uh, mm. I was just hooked on, on the idea that with this technology we could reach everybody, that we could uh, make so much things and, and what the possibilities were. And so it has been the red tape throughout my career that um, from the moment technology was uh, there to to see or to play with, uh, I would be hooked and I would be the one that says like, okay, let me do this. I will I will manage it. So mm -hmm. that's uh, a little bit the the background. Um, so I I've never been uh, had an IT uh, education, but always like more uh, try to teach and learn myself, and have mm -hmm. always been interested in also lecture. Uh, that were about IT or, or books or, or magazines or something. So that's uh, how I mm. got into the sector. So very curious uh, about the tech world uh, in general, which is one of the main uh, skills, uh, well, soft skill that many experts um, really stress if you want to make a career, be curious. You, you said you were more an engineer in your e education um, and the path toward the digital sector. Um, how did you make yourself in the tech world? Yes, yeah, so uh, from my uh, Master in Communication Science, uh, we did uh, um, I say, touch upon the subject of the impact of uh, technology in communication in the future. So mm -hmm. in the jobs that I would do in uh, that came after my education, I would always try to find that intersection where I would be busy with communication, but also look at uh, yeah, what kind of a technology I would use to... Um, 
put out that technology, uh, te- uh, that communication. So, with regards to when my first job was at the Chancellery of the Prime Minister, and so this is when RSS feeds and X- XML were coming up. So mm. I would be interested to see, like, okay, if we have to do, uh, put out press uh, releases or put new things on the website, how can I do this to just like put one message out instead of like trying to update all those different uh, websites? And then, yeah, then I got to talk to these uh, cool uh, IT guys and they said like, mm-hmm. yeah, did you know there's something new? There's RSS and, and XML. Maybe we should try that. And so this is how it went forward. So every time I was in a, in a new position, mm-hmm. either most of the time uh, in project management, yeah, I, I tried to, I say, wiggle my way around so that I could be with those who were busy with the, with the technology and try to... Um, uh, how I say, think with them from the customer's perspective, like, you know, what do I need and how can you help me with the technology to have that intersection? And that's that's how I actually got more and more involved in IT until like mm. 2011, uh, 2011 when we founded Flowpilots. And so the start of Flowpilots was actually that. You had a couple of, um, yeah, we were already um, busy with, with uh, helping uh, companies with uh, trying to explain what uh, iPad and and uh, and and uh, yeah, mobile phone and you know it was uh, 2009 was the first uh, mm. time Facebook uh, released their uh, application. Uh, it was uh, I had an iPod Touch at that point, so I installed that application on the on the iPod, and then you realize what the possibilities were going to be. That if mm. you had apps that were so easy on your phone, and I was before that a Windows phone user so i had uh the like you know the the small screen and then with the with the pencil that you had to tap (laughs) and stuff like that so i was already thinking about how can we make this more user friendly and how are Mm. we going to do this and like um when we founded flow pilots that was the the ultimate goal was to make applications for mobile phones because we uh, but who were really user friendly and where you had like um uh where where the touch buttons were large enough where you could easily read or do do these uh, um, uh, specific uh, gestures. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was always from the 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 customer's perspective or from the user's perspective yeah. that I looked at this kind of technology and loved to talk then with uh, with the IT guys to say like, okay, mm. how are we going to manage this? So you were at the beginning of what we. Um, currently call UX design and um, on the creative thinking that is very trendy right now. Uh, but you were uh, really like a, a visionary um, kind of yes. uh, perspective. <laughs> design thinking before the design thinking. I have exactly. uh, so many, uh, how you say, <laughs> Moleskin books uh, filled with, uh, with designs of applications. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and um, well, you 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 already talked about Flow Pilot and um, that you you funded uh, well co-funded um, Flow Pilot. Um, can you tell us a bit more um, of what it is and um, how it became from a startup to a scale-up uh, company? 
Yes, so um, it, I think it's one of the uh, most underlighted uh, things in the in the startup world is that founding. It's uh, like you know, like going to the the lawyers and saying, "Okay, we found a company." In 2011, was was still not really that easy. You still had mm-hmm. to do like a lot of things. I think today it's it's uh, has changed yes. a lot, uh, but in the end. It didn't take that much to say like, okay, we're with three people and we're in the same, uh, we, we think the same what we want to do. And then we found a company. What's difficult is what comes next is how mm. are you going to work together and how are you going to convince your first customer and how are you going to make sure that those customers pay and that you can pay yourself. Yes. And um, those first years are, are a, tough, uh, a tough ride because... Uh, besides like uh, you finding your market product market fit or your price market fit you're also like working on how are you going to work the team and sometimes you're lucky and you have uh, like founder brothers or founder sisters or Mm. a brother and sister and and or like best friends and or and and if they have a good relationship and they have good understanding on strengths and weaknesses then they may like really succeed but sometimes mm. like founders are not like really aligned yet uh, and they still have to get aligned throughout the process so i think that were the first years and and that's uh, that's always a tough right and so but then you have the second phase is where you finally uh, how i say manage to um uh, divide the task uh, rather well you know mm. what's what everybody is doing you uh, finally like uh, understood what, what why you need a raki matrix <laughs> <laughs> like to have your roles and accountabilities and uh, responsibilities set, uh, written out and from the moment you've got that you know you can go into uh, easier water and mm. more focus more on okay uh, product delivery making sure that your um uh, what you uh, th- that's uh, the customers that you uh, service that they're serviced right and then really start to like make sure that you choose your operating model and start to yeah make sure that your operations are at the minimum uh, olympic minimum that your uh, organization works that your hr is in place and stuff like that so because uh, from the moment um, you have the the easier water you got you get time to actually start uh, working that out although i think that um uh, if startups and scale-ups are, um, uh, how you say, uh, supported well and have yes. the right people in in yeah. their uh, network, those things can be uh, can be managed much much faster. And I think that that's the a big difference between 2011 and today is that mm. with all the accelerators and also the initiatives from a lot of uh, cities like uh, yes. like uh, Digital Brussels, so you are the you are there already to to support founders, and I think mm. uh, sometimes maybe founders should should find way mo- uh, the to those institutions or accelerators much faster. Like for instance, started at KBC or so, because in the end, um, yeah, from the moment you can skip that that uh, how I say. Um, that 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 part where you first the, the part that you get uh, get to know each other as founders is one thing, but that you can that you don't need to be in easier water to yes. uh, make sure that your operations is running and your <laughs> HR is running. That's a, that's <laughs> definitely like something that you can fast track. And then of mm. course, like the, the if if that's um, how I say. If that's settled, then of course you can go and and go see like okay now we're going to uh, make um, for that scale up phase like okay we have that 
product market fit. We have the price market fit. So you know that you can sell it. You know that you can retain customers. You know that all those things are, are good. And then in, in, in the next phase, it's uh, like looking uh, like, are you going to broaden up your, your services? Are you going mm. to go into other markets? You can start fine tuning and uh, like looking at what you can do better. And, and of course, at that point, you, you can also like start to uh, um, yeah, professionalize even more your services. It's not easy to enter the entrepreneur, your uh, word and especially when it was in 2009, 2010, and more as a woman. What skills were really necessary for you to um, really stay focused and believe in um, this company and what you were doing and still uh, what you're following up uh, today? With regards to um, yeah, who I am, I've always been ambitious. So okay. the, it was there already from the beginning. And um, what uh, struck me the most was the moment I had my two children. So okay. um, because I've, I've always um, seen myself as, as equal to men with mm. equal skills and equal talents and, and um, not always the same access to the same networks. That's something that's really difficult sometimes. The the boys' networks are, are really close. They're, they're still really boys' networks. But actually, yeah, never, uh, how you say, um, saw it as a, um, a real blocker. But okay. getting pregnant, that was a game changer. Uh, that mm. that is something that uh, will uh, stay with me uh, for the rest of my my life. Is that the moment I, I uh, informed my former boss that I was uh, like in, in pregnant for my my first boy, that I got all of a sudden not anymore the CEO that was saying like okay let's go for it and you know we were working in a startup and it was uh, fast pacing and I had driven all over the country already like for months to to make sure that we got everything right and we were rolling out a, a big IT project and stuff like that and then all of a sudden I felt like he looked at me like I was ill, you know, that I was something that you need to like put aside and oh my God, and yeah, you will going to be out for three months within this and, and a couple of months. And so uh, the ending was that actually my contract was not renewed. Um, it was oh. a circumstantial thing, but still, I think that if I would have been a guy, yeah, and I mm. know because the guy that was there with me, his contract got renewed. Um, yeah, I would have stayed on and mm. I was I was really uh yeah flabbergasted by that <laughs> yeah <laughs> afterwards and so what happens next is that I'm I'm uh, at home with my my boy uh, for a rather a longer time that I was expecting uh because of course who was going to hire like if just mm. like new mom uh, so but at a certain point yeah you know your your reputation goes ahead so somebody calls and says like okay I need you because I know you're like a very good project manager you really can can manage things and and get things going so I really want you in the company and so I was there working my butt off um like also in technology like thinking of new systems for working with the team and and stuff like that and then uh, there's the chance for a promotion and at mm. that point I'm three months pregnant and then you get 
like the message that yeah um besides some like stupid reason that they brought up yes it was also because yeah in six months i wasn't wasn't going to be there anymore but i said like if if i can do what i did in one year and a half yeah yes. imagine what i can do in six months in this position because then i will have even more tools and means and you know i'm good at it and yeah it was still like something like yeah the pregnancy was was again in the way and so um I have to be honest that that is a that's the point when I started doubting because the mom thing like the five years uh, being a mom uh, how I say got me in this schizophrenic situation where on the mm. one hand and everybody will recognize this sentence I I was I needed to be a mother in in society and be there for my children and you know like make sure that they had the biscuits for school and the and the uh, the the birthday parties and stuff like that but at work I needed to be that woman that didn't have children and that was mm. completely insane because for me I was still the same person but yeah now I had of course two kids to attend to but it looks like society only looked at me and not my husband as well as being part of <laughs> of yes. making those babies and yeah that was a it was I, for me it was a, a very difficult time to to um uh to get into that um to be in that situation so if you ask me like what do women uh, what do you need as a woman to stand your ground in that kind yes. of uh, uh, um uh, environment yeah is to really be um be, uh, to really believe in in yourself as as a person mm. um whatever society or whatever uh people around you are saying and uh yeah i know for uh, from conversations I have with other ladies in tech that's yeah it's it's and also like women in in other businesses that it keeps on being a very difficult uh, point because especially because men never can be pregnant so they don't understand how the subtilities are when you're uh, you're there and how uh, uh, how difficult it is that uh, meetings are planned beyond six o'clock and stuff like that and I think mm. Yeah, it's still something that we can all as uh, like uh, CEOs and company leaders can uh, be more attentive to even in 2023. Yes. Do you believe it's still uh, something women um, are fighting with uh, even today? Um, and maybe there's some European like in Finland, all the northern countries and even Denmark um, do you think there's an imbalance in between culture or it's really like general in our society? And unfortunately, the uh, the statistics of also Finland and Sweden have also um, shown that as long as society views it as this kind of uh, benefit for people who get children and not something that you want as society as a whole, that it still mm. uh, is being something that um, gets anomalies at a certain point, also in Sweden and Finland. So the thing is, uh, and this is the twisted kind of uh, situation, is all, on the one hand, you have uh, political parties and movements that are against abortion and, and all those things, yes. And then there's stand there an advocate that we have to um, take amends for the unborn child in, in bellies of women. 
Mm. But if you look at the other way, then actually they're also saying, and we do not want women to work because mm. we do not do anything yeah, to um, even out the burden uh, for taking care of those children. Easy for uh, mothers to put their children into daycare. We underpay daycare, uh, child daycare workers. So th there's something crooked in that um, yes. demand and, uh, and uh, answer a system that normally should work in a capitalistic system. If there is a demand and there is an offer, yeah. then normally prices <laughs> should go up, down, everywhere. So there should be, should be normal market uh, uh, working. But mm. it isn't because it's not something, and that's the, the, the twisted part, that society actually really wants. And that is the reason why it keeps uh, such a burden uh, for, for women. And I really would uh, yeah, now like uh, reach out to the men listening to hopefully this post podcast is so. to see see their part in this um in this situation mm. and then the question is if we want men and women to be equally involved in the labor market yeah then men mm. and women have to be equally involved in uh taking care of their children yes. and in taking care of the household that's yeah. it and how you manage it that's i think something for the private room you can you choose how you uh, how you say divide the tasks but it's important to see that it's a choice and mm. unfortunately and and then and we're coming back to that point of 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 the tech sector and why it's uh, still a difficult part in in why why we why can't we get more women into tech yeah, yeah then then we have to go see in where does it all emerges where do women learn that technology and tech is for them yes. and then this is a strong opinion that i hold is then we go back and then it starts in the belly really like in the belly of women when society hears it's a girl or society hears it's a boy it starts from the moment that child is born then the 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 boys are getting uh like this this kind of a, how say a bodies and and t-shirts with with a tough guy or with a car on it and girls get this this uh, like cinderella kind of kind of uh, dresses mm. and um it's something that um emerged even uh, faster after the uh, 1980s because of fast consumer goods coming from China yes. and the pinks and the blues and all those things. And suddenly, like, uh, how you say, pink toys and, and blue toys were, were available for the masses. And so you got that that twofold, like, what, what should boys be and what should girls be, got, like, more stressed uh, by society and if you go look into chemistry boxes, for instance, and you go to like this toy store, you would see that chemistry boxes for yes. boys are with the, uh, the the little professor that with the glasses and stuff like that. And girls, they get the makeup boxes, and they're in the same section. It's the same chemistry boxes, and it's and the the girls get get toys that are. Uh, how you say? I called it a purpose toys. So the yes. toy is already with a purpose. Mm. It's to make makeup, or it is to clean things, or it is to make something. While boys get toys that are um, often still uh, more imaginary, that where they have to think for themselves. So, if the brain is plastic, and you tell girls to constantly from the age of zero until the age of eighteen, before they have to go to college, that this is not something for them. 
how are we going to expect them to wake up one day and say like, yes, this is for me. If they're not in some way um, uh, uh, pushed by teachers, uh, especially school, I think I, should, I think until the age of 12, we should try to uh, raise them as gender balanced as possible. They should learn that they're equal. They should be, be uh, not with those constraints of being mm. a boy or or a girl and i think that if we w could manage that and and hand both of them because i think boys as well both of them um the variety of things that you can learn and be in this world and like on both ends uh, and that they can choose and that nobody would uh, look um bad at them for choosing one or the other that is what actually is going to change it. And yeah, it's a call out again to the education system that if we want STEM jobs, mm. if we think STEM jobs are important and STEM education is important, we should start in kindergarten and at a, at a, a basic school. I don't know how you say it in English uh, to make sure that that boys and girls um, yeah, are being uh, touched by it and being um, enchanted by it. Yeah. That's that's so true, and I think it's um, in the IT world, it's um, and the the difference and what we connect to it is so uh, gender uh, oriented because we even now um, we think of IT and technology, and uh, we think the first thing and image that comes to our mind is a geek. Uh, <laughs> coding and that's very masculine that's absolutely not uh, oriented to women and that's maybe why a lot of uh, women and um, young uh, women um, don't think and don't believe that they can access to the digital world when in fact if you think about it there's a lot of roles in marketing and the rate of women working in this kind of tech roles is quite like um like there's a parity between uh, men and women but when we go deeper in um like really tech roles such as developers or engineers then the share of women is really lower and um, I, I've seen some statistics and it's it's decreasing um, today. Do you believe um, the the gap will uh, get wider or not and um, and more than anything how can we change this view and how can we make uh, sustainable progress toward gender equality in the tech industry? <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> in the end, it's not a tough one in the sense that it's making choices. And the mm. thing is that we are not making those choices. If you say, are you, do you think that the gap is getting wider? Yes, of course, because it's like a, a chicken egg problem. You cannot mm. expect like the outflow uh, of women in technology education is going to be larger when the inflow is decreasing because girls even more than than yesterday um, with the influence of TikTok, Facebook, um, uh, YouTube telling them how to be, how to behave, how to act that's unfortunate. Luckily in, in the biology uh, sciences yeah we see an increase but in the indeed computer sciences it's even getting worse. 
So for me, it starts at kindergarten and 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 uh, and at school, where children should be again not uh, educated. I uh, should really be educated gender neutral and to try to uh, let them touch everything and to inspire them and to show them role models of men and women that can do those jobs. And we have so many role mm. models also in the tech industry that have changed the world from the early Ada, Ada Lovelace who invented the computer to, yes. um, yeah, the, uh, Margaret Hamilton and, yeah. and uh, yeah, so Grace Hopper as well with COBOL. So there are a lot of uh, big examples, um, bigger than Steve Jobs, who really, like I say, <laughs> changed the tech industry because without them, it, it the, the iPhone would probably not even exist. So I think uh, that's one thing. Um, second thing is on the... Um, school level uh, at the university today uh, if you look at how those schools recruit their students i'm so sorry it's as you say the image is so stereotype yes i'm like come on yeah again 2023 we have to change that image and as you say like it, there are so many interesting tech uh, jobs uh, that are important that women are involved in, especially when it's in health tech, because yes. again, so many health tech um, applications forget that women have a, a hormonal cycle and that we have a higher temperature before and lower after, like all those things. So, so it's things to take into account, and and it's only women that can tell this because they're the mm. one actually living that problem. So I think um, with regards to the way uh, schools are addressing women to get them into tech, I think they should change the narrative and mm. make sure that they um, pull those students in by showing them real life problems that are solved by women today in technology. And it can be in healthcare, which is really in interesting, but you have, for instance, Catherine Herdewijn, who is like mm. making shoes, but with nanotechnology, she's an industry, uh, a civil engineer. You have Jasna Rockeham, who is actually working together with uh, with NASA with regards to how say brainwaves and feelings and stuff like that. It's all technology, but uh, how say still with that uh, female touch. And I think yes. that if we show those kind of uh, role models to um, and and present them um, to those students to say like, look, this is what you can go do with that. Uh, they definitely are going to be inspired. Then third, it's about network and. I think schools should be more aware of and be mm. should be more pushing towards girls to also do do the the same trajectory and try to get them into forming their own startups and also making their own spin outs and to really like also from uh, accelerated points of view or the organization that you're from to make sure that you support women into an entrepreneurial mindset and so not even in the founding their uh, how I say company but first learning them what it means to be an entrepreneur like get their uh, high, trigger the entrepreneurial yes. mindset like learn them to think like entrepreneurs and i really believe we can do that and and if they i think women just need more information because they don't have had that information informally throughout actually their 
life. So you need to actually make sure that they get it at in at some point to say like, okay, we organize. Like, what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? What does it mean to start a company? Is it for you? Is it not for you? Why should it be for you? What are the consequences? You know, like like really mm. educate that entrepreneurial mindset. And then uh, last but not least, it's it's about leadership. You mm. know, if you have a tech company and you look around and you're uh, a tech floor is filled with guys and it's if you don't see women then it means that you're not doing um uh the job uh, to attract women and yeah. i believe that uh for the current situation um women are can also be very uh influential on the software development also for from a project management perspective mm. or functional analyst as perspective because they can um, help also uh, increase user friendliness or do yes. the better product market fit so although maybe uh, we're not uh, delivering coders yet yes. uh, we can already deliver the ones that are thinking about yes. uh, yeah, the product. And so, yeah, leadership uh, has a lot to do with it. And then we come to the most difficult part is that I, I really mean this in the best, in the most positive way possible. Because men are not women, mm -hmm. they don't understand how it is to be a woman. Just at the same point that we do not understand how it is to be a guy. That's true. But the thing is that if your world is been built around your needs and then today around the needs of men it's very hard to show them then how it if it's so much different from the needs that women have and because women have not been able to work in all female environments for mm -hmm. years and years it's also sometimes very difficult to explain how it is different or how it and so it's 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 something to be really attentive to to like um not uh go over it too easy and at flow pilots mm. we managed to find that balance in conversation with the woman and the men working there to make sure that if we find an inclusive culture um that just diverse and friendly for everyone we saw that everybody could thrive uh, and the women were felt safe and the people from other uh, cultural backgrounds felt safe and the irony is that the men felt safe as well safe mm -hmm. to ask for uh, parental leave and safe to say that their child was ill and that they had to stay at home and that their wife was going to work that day and so um yeah, that's that's the 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 big change then that you make as leadership. Thank you so much for this insight. That you've answered a lot uh, already of many of my questions. I want to go through the first uh, point you made about having role models um, because you've been nominated and you were um, uh, one of the inspiring 50 of Belgium and ICT Women uh, of the Year 2020. Um, can you tell more about the, those kind of programs and uh, maybe other uh, ones you've been to and um, how do maybe the ears and they facilitate in putting forward uh, role models and uh, for minorities, not only for women, but really for minorities and how they foster 
and uh, maybe give give a voice to to women and maybe um, make them believe that they have their part to play in the tech world. Well, the the thing is, you cannot be what you can't see. And yesterday, uh, I was at um, I'm in the board of directors for the Thomas More Hogeschool in okay. uh, in the province of Antwerp, yes. and so we talked about um, the first uh, generation students. Mm-hmm. So, and um, I was one of the first generation students as well in my in my family. So. We know how it is. You know, if you're the first generation, that means that nobody can tell you how it was at university. What what's the rules? What how how should you study? What should you do? Should you go and get baptized and go into a fraternity, or <laughs> should you study really hard? Or how do you make connections? And what mm. kind of connections are in, interesting? And you know, what, what kind of scholarships can you do? And stuff like that. The fact that somebody went before you and shows you the path yeah. and shows you that it is possible mm. is is the is the whole point that is inspiring but also is going to help you and so when we talk about role models is only to show people from indeed different backgrounds p- different social cultural backgrounds different uh, gender to show that it the path is possible um it it has only been uh, so long that women could attend to a marathon yeah yes so that's if true you, yeah if you don't <laughs> see if is if as a, a girl or a woman you don't see that this is that this is possible somebody did this for you you know mm. and shows that it is possible uh, yeah then then you might be thinking in yourself that uh, limiting yourself also how to think and mm. so i i do admire so much all those pioneer people yeah. that were the first to do those things against all um yeah odds and all against all voices in society that said that couldn't do that but they broke the path for other role models to uh, also show that um, that the, that they are the first, and to I believe it's very important, and it's something uh, a shout out to all those uh, brave men and women that are the first uh, in generations or whatever, and are role models to speak up because it's by um, and that's why I also do this kind of podcast because I tell a story and somewhere somehow there's a boy or a girl mm. that's going to hear my story. And he's going, or or she's going to be in the same situation, and she's going to hear, hear from me. Yeah, it wasn't easy, but look, it is possible. You can do this too, and so that's why we need role models, and that's why we need to show them in in kindergarten and in school <laughs> to show all those those young girls and young boys that are that there are different role models, you know, that there's not just one stereotype role model because that's also important, also yes. for boys. It's not only the fireman or the mm. police guy or the manager. No, they can also be ballet dancers, yes, and they can That's also true. be artists and stuff like that. They also yeah. have to fight prejudice on on the other uh, end, and so that's why the 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 awards like ICT Woman of the Year, indeed, or mm. the Inspiring Fifty in in technology uh, in Europe, which is really um, won a really cool prize, and I'm so so proud still of it, is is showing that. It's just like making sure that the the these women are called upon to tell their story, so that they can be um, 
yeah, in podcasts and in yes. magazines <laughs> so that they can be there for those girls to show them you can do this too. Yeah. And I'm, I'm quite curious now. I, I would like to know what if you had or if you have any role model or any woman that or even a man that inspired you um, in the digital world uh, mainly. Yes, in the, and I think for me in the digital world, yeah, I have uh, had uh, Martin Temples, who was the VP of uh, of Telenet. She was actually the f the first like yeah woman in tech that I that I met like when I was like just in my 30s. and and for me she was very important uh, also due to her story and and uh, and the conversation we had afterwards. I have my. <laughs> My friend uh, Joko de Hond from Inventive Designer, who was at a very young age uh, CEO of a company, it was mm -hmm. also a tech company, and and I, uh, yeah, I'm so happy she's my friend <laughs> and <laughs> admire her very well. Um, but at a at a larger level, I had difficulties uh, because there uh, at that point there were none in in my life. Today I had mm. I, I mentioned them. I learned. I really went to search for them. You know, I. Okay. I Yeah, and and then you have the uh, how I say the the NASA woman, you know, yeah. and then you learn about indeed Margaret Hamilton, and you learn about Grace Hopper, and you learn about Ada Lovelace, and you learn about so many women like Berta Benz, mm. because without Berta Benz, you know, Mercedes Benz wouldn't be here, and you have Heidi Lamar who invented Bluetooth, and you you and from the moment you start to to see those things, you're like, oh my God, why? Why are those women known? And so, um, like now, there is like this program on on the uh, national television about the story of Flanders. And apparently, there was a princess that has been very in, um, yeah, in the Middle Ages, like like very uh, de um, determined for for yeah how Flanders was being formed due to the to the marriages that she had. And then I'm like, why oh. don't we have streets having her name? Like why don't why don't we have <laughs> and and statues and and uh, like squares and and parks that that uh, have her name and so you know it, it, we do not realize how much mm. our world around us is really like very uh, male formed because yes. you, it's almost impossible to find another street than the Queen Elizabeth Street because that's like or Queen Astrid Street and that's like the two female streets that I know <laughs> that's true. and all the other ones are all from men and statues and I'm thinking like tell me one statue of a woman somewhere in in, in on a square somewhere no you have you have painters and poets and and all yeah, our guys that's and I'm like so true. and if you see a woman she She's definitely naked and somewhere on the side of the river and she's like a siren or something but yes. you know not like a, a like a, a real warrior and yeah that's that's what I want to see you know in the future that uh, that we get more of those kind of uh, yeah I was always amazed how uh, a few women I knew myself and I have been really actively been searching for them and yeah today mm. I have uh, yeah a lot of uh, role models in in my life oh, and that's uh, in and in tech but also uh, next to it that are very important and i'm very happy that i had the opportunity to search for them and to how say uh, how say put them uh, out there i have two last questions and um one is um because we're quite out of the pandemic hopefully um and but 
he it has increased inequalities, but it has also uh, bring, uh, brought um, new opportunities for women in some ways. Um, do you, with the hybrid work and um, do you believe uh, it can create new challenges for for women or new opportunities for them? From from my perspective, I don't think the pandemic made new <laughs> uh, opportunities <laughs> for women. If anything, studies show that stress has be, never been raised higher. That um, all the even more uh, tasks were put into women's hands. Uh, like um, domestic violence uh, rose uh, yes. to the top, um, the divorce rose uh, due to pandemic. And what is one of the things that um, saddens me is, and, and now I'm going to talk for a Belgian context uh, because I have no, no data with regards to what I'm going to say in, in other countries. But if you look at numbers indeed and what happened in that pandemic towards um the care sector and the underpayment of female workers. If you look at childcare, if you look at all those very, uh, how I say, um, delicate jobs yes. uh, and, and that are really heavy and how mm. we, on the one hand, in the pandemic, were, were cheering and saying like, good for them, but how we are treating them now, now the pandemic is back to normal and, and we're talking about inflation and the market and yeah, yeah oh, then I'm thinking like, yeah, and, and, and where are we still talking about those caregivers that uh, have have um, were on the on the line, and and now we're just like um, ignoring their their demands on mm. uh, yeah more pay and flexible hours and stuff like that. And so I I feel like um, if you uh, if one thing that the pandemic showed is again that um and uh this is it may sound like harsh but that like the extreme capitalistic system yeah uh yeah. is still winning and yes. i really thought that the pandemic would um give everyone like a a, a real smack in the face and that we would yes. uh, that economy would would um like all that push for growth and stuff like that would yeah. be a little bit more um slowed down but mm. in fact it has created a reverse effect yes namely so that true. and we see it in the anomalies now from facebook and and meta, mm. meta and amazon that they're firing ten thousands of people yeah. but those are people that they hire through the pandemic yeah. yes because they wanted to have like even more profit and and mm. they, and it was not and everybody knew it was not sustainable growth but yet yeah. everybody like dropped in and 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 chipped in because they thought they could make a, a, a fast buck and the question is on whose back have they made that fast buck and it is on those the backs of those caregivers and on the backs of those those um of all the people that are not at this point getting uh how you say the wages that they yes. actually deserve and you can turn it either way but this is not a healthy system and so if i look at back at the pandemic and look at it today then i see that we haven't learned anything i will just ask you a small um conclusion and what would be your advice to anyone that is that wants to follow a career in the it world or to be an entrepreneur what would be their um conclusion that uh there are so many opportunities on every level 
and that there are a lot of institutions that um, can help you like B-Code and uh, B-Central and there are so many uh, 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 institutions you can go to to get the education even if you're not like how you say mm. started it in in high school or in uh, in university so don't hesitate just go for it and to to understand that you're never too old to learn <laughs> that's so true <laughs> yes. uh, thank you so much Dewi um, I'm just going to um, for the ones that will listen uh, that you will be on our webinar uh, regarding uh, women take where we're action a lot more and have uh, your insights and vision uh, on this uh, theme. And I'm really uh, thrilled that we had this conversation today. I hope it will change some mindset, hopefully. <laughs> yes, I hope so too. And thank you so much for the invitation and looking forward to the uh, 8th of uh, March. Yeah.